Good morning, Carolina. First, I want to thank my pastor and my first lady for allowing me the opportunity to speak with you guys today. Let's look at the book of Luke in the New Testament. I will be reading chapter 15, verses 11 to 32 in the New Living Translation. Please stand for the reading of God's word. To illustrate the point further, Jesus told them the story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his two sons. A few days later, the younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land. And there he wasted all his money in wild living. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him to to the fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry, even the people, even the pods he was feeding the pigs looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired server, servants had food enough to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we have been fattening. We must celebrate with the feast. For the son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. Meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told. And your father has killed and fattened the calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And all the time you never gave me even one young goat for its feast with my friends. Yet you hold the son, you hold this son of yours comes home after squandering your money on prostitutes and celebrate by killing a fattened cat. His father said to him, Look, dear son, you have always stayed by me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day, for your, father, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The title of my sermon today is, So, What About Grace? Well, as you may know, it is Swag Sunday, and in and when we talk about swag, we are talking about saving, being saved by God's amazing grace. God's grace is incredible and transformative. God's grace has been defined in an unmerited favor of God, meaning it is not deserved. Nothing we can do would ever make us worthy of the grace of God, which makes it so amazing to be a recipient of it. 
A great story and example of God's grace is the story of the prodigal son. This was one of the three parables Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. These three parables were told in response to the Pharisees' criticism of Jesus' teaching and eating with tax collectors and other notorious sinners. The Pharisees had already written these people off. They had decided that they weren't worthy of be- because of the things they had done. When we think about God's grace, we must first understand our own human condition. We are flawed, sinful beings prone to making mistakes and falling short of God's perfect standard. But despite our shortcomings, God's grace reaches out to us, offering forgiveness, redemption, and a fresh start. The concept was foreign to the Pharisees, and so in response, Jesus told them the story of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. Jesus shared these parables to teach the Pharisees about God's amazing grace and the joy that he has in seeing those that are lost found. In the story of the prodigal son, Jesus talked about a rich man who had two sons. The youngest son decided he wanted his inheritance early and he wanted to go out on his own. I assume he was just ready to live his life, ready to get out and do his own thing. It seems he thought he could handle life all on his own. So... The father gave him his share of the inheritance, and the son packed his things and went on his merry way. It is here we realize that God's grace is risky. Allow me to share a quote I found while studying for the sermon. We must first see his initial grace in giving his son freedom to make bad choices. Since the father obviously represents God, doesn't this tell us that God created us with the freedom to make choices? God is willing to risk rejection of his free love rather than have a predetermined compliance to his forced love. Because voluntary love brings him glory. God's grace constantly risks us risk rejection from us. The father gave his son his share of inheritance, not knowing that the son would then turn around and walk away from him. In turn, God offers his love and grace day after day, knowing that people will reject him. Forced love is not real love. God shows his love for us, gracing us with the freedom of choice. God wants it to be our choice. Now the son chose to be on his life, to be on his own, and life didn't go exactly how he thought. His money didn't last. His popularity didn't last. His friends didn't last. His fun didn't last. His security lasted, and his satisfaction was short-lived. What I realized when reading this story was that nothing this world offers will last. It doesn't matter how talented you are, how much money you have, how many material things you have, how successful you are, those things are all only temporary. When they run out, what will you have to show for it? The son ends up hungry and homeless when a famine hits the land. I wonder where all his friends went when the money dried up. He ends up working for a local farmer feeding pigs. Now the scripture says that he was so hungry, he thought that the stuff he was feeding the pigs looked good. I have no idea what the farmer was paying him for to make him think that whatever them, feeds, them pigs were eating was good. The son got to the point where he realized that he did not have to continue life because he could go back to his father. Now he knows that he has sinned and disappointed his father, and he has decided that returning home as a servant is better than his current situation. This brings me to my second point. God's grace restores. Despite how we come to God in whatever state, he doesn't see us as less than but he sees us as his children and calls us his own. In verses 18 to 19, when a prodigal son came to his senses, he was going back to his father, but not as a son, as his servant. 
He did not believe he was no longer he did not believe he was no longer worthy to be called his son because he had messed up so bad. But in verse 24, let's read his father's response. For this son of mine was dead and now has returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. The father said that his sons was three things in the scripture and nothing was a servant. He said he was alive, he was found, and he was his son. God's grace restores. No matter how we come to him, it is because of his grace that we are not called by the mistakes we have made, but we are called his children, chosen people, his royal priesthood, his very own. God's grace is not limited by our past mistakes or the depth of our failures. It is the grace that he extends to every corner of our lives, offering hope and restoration. It is through grace that we find the courage to confront our brokenness and seek reconciliation with God. It is through grace that we experience the transformative power of his love. There is another element to this, to this parable, and that is the eldest son. The father is so overjoyed by his son's return that he throws a celebration right then and there. He has his servants kill the fattened calf and put on some music, and they are having a great time. While this is going on, the eldest son is in the field. He returns from his work to hear music and celebration. Now imagine working out in the sun, hot sun all day, and you come back to everyone partying. I would probably be a little upset that nobody told me there was a party going on. However, this is not what upset the brother. We see in verses 26 to 28 that when he asked one of the servants what was going on, the servant informed him that his brother was home and that the father was celebrating his safe return. The brother was angry, not because they were partying without him, not because no one let him know, but because the father was celebrating the son who had failed. The son who had went and wasted his allowance. It really burned the older brother because he had done all his father had asked and worked hard and his father never once celebrated him. The eldest son felt he was worthy of this type of celebration and that the youngest brother was not. The eldest son, like the Pharisees, was under the impression that they deserved everything because of what they had done or because who they were. Jesus wanted them to understand in this parable is that God's grace is not something you can earn. This brings me to my last point. God's grace can never be earned. Paul defines God's grace in Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 9, when he writes, God saved you by his grace when you believe, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. These words remind us that we can't win God's grace through our own efforts or good deeds. This is a gift from God. We will never be good enough or deserving of God's amazing grace. The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15 vividly australiates the depths of God's grace. Despite squandering his inheritance and living a reckless life, the father in the parable eagerly welcomes his wayward son back with open arms. The son, who expected to be met with anger and condemnation, instead finds a compassionate and forgiving father. This story reminds us that no matter how far we strayed, God's grace is always ready to welcome us back. In our own lives, we can experience the transformative power of God's grace by accepting it with humility and gratitude. We must recognize that we do not deserve this gift, but it is freely given to us because of God's great love for us. When we grasp the depth of his grace, it compels us to respond with gratitude and a desire to live in accordance with his will. God's grace also challenges us to extend grace to others. 
Just as we have received mercy and forgiveness, we are called to show the same mercy and forgiveness to those around us. This means setting aside judgment and offering love and compassion to those who have wronged us. It means seeking reconciliation and restoration rather than seeking revenge or holding on to bitterness. So what about grace? God's grace, my friends, the grace of God is a profound and life-changing reality. It is the foundation of our faith, the source of our salvation, and the catalyst for transformation in our lives. Let us embrace this gift with open arms and allow it to shape our attitudes, actions, and relationships. May we be vessels of God's grace, spreading his love and mercy to a world in desperate need. Thank you.